What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Young Black and Opinionated. I'm your host, Christina Royster, a.k.a. Miss Chris D. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening and leave me a five-star rating if you like what you hear. You can also leave me a review so I can see your lovely feedback. Make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Miss Chris D. All right, let's jump into the episode. All right, so this episode is part three of my Black History Is Now series. This is like a special Black History Month series that I started to just basically acknowledge our past, but also celebrate our current state and the future for black people because we just influence so many different industries. And this week I'm talking all about art, design, and media with content creator, visual artist, and on-air talent Tiffany Nicole Irvin. So I think you guys will definitely enjoy this episode But um, I will let you know that we recorded it via Zoom. So just bear with us if there's any technical difficulties. But yeah, let's get into the episode. So Tiffany, can you just tell the folks a little bit about yourself, how you got started in art and design, uh, a little bit about your media background as well? Sure. Okay. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Tiffany Nicole. I am a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I am a painter. I'm a digital designer. I also have a background in media. So I was a video producer and still am. I'm a content creator. And I've been working in video production and content creation for uh, quite some time now. I actually started it in high school. I studied it in college and I've worked in that field for the past like seven or eight years. Um, I kind of had my foot in both sides, like in front of and behind the camera. Um, And just recently I started um, I made the shift to do um, visual art full time. So while I'm still doing video production and content creation, um, being a visual artist is like my full time gig now. So I've done like, you know, collaborations with different brands and and stuff like that as far as like art con- is concerned. And I, I do a little bit of everything. I kind of just go with what moves me and. Uh, I like to call myself a multi-passionate artist because whatever I'm passionate about at the time, that's what I'm doing. That's awesome. No, I just said congratulations because, you know, deciding to fully go for your passion full time is a bit of a risk. And I think that it is rewarding at the end of the day, you're getting to do what you love. So I really- Girl, in the middle of a pandemic at that. (laughs) Now, I honestly, I just give all the glory to God because without his grace, I don't know where I would be because there's people out there that, you know, have been doing this for years. And I'm just thankful that I'm able to still be able to get work and collaborations and make sure all my bills is paid on time every month. So I am not complaining. Yes. And- I think that just leads us into really what art means to Black people and the Black community. And I mentioned in a message to you before, like art has just been a part of our culture for since the beginning of time, you know, Africans wore war paint on their faces and Egyptians did storytelling through hieroglyphics. So can you just talk about a little bit about like your background in art? Like was anybody in your family an artist or did you grow up? I love the dog. I love the dog. (laughs) Was anybody in your family an artist or like, did you grow up learning about the Harlem Renaissance or anything like that? Like, when did you first fall in love with art? Um, you know what? Uh, I'll start with the, the question about overall. So just from my observations and what I've seen, like growing up and stuff like that, art is just something that's so like you, you touched on it. You hit the nail on the head. It's so deeply woven into the fabric of who we are as a people. 
it's like self-expression, you know? And even when we don't think of something as artistic, it's still a form of art. Like uh, slaves used to braid maps into their yeah. hair. Like, that is next level That's creativity and ingenuity. Like this is just who we are as a people. It's literally in our DNA. And as far as me personally, um, my mom's always been a pretty creative person. She's not an artist. Um, I don't really know where my art, my love for art came from. I really think it's just kind of a combination of the fact that it was something I always enjoyed doing and me just being super fortunate enough to grow up in an area in a school district that had an amazing arts program. And I just had teachers that constantly poured into me and nourished me and like, you know, fed the flame of like my artistic passion. And I, I kind of started out like doing you. I don't know if you remember this. This might be like me taking it back. <laughs> but you remember like in the grocery store where they used to have those little stickers of the girls, like just like the little, they look like not brat stalls because they weren't brat stalls, but they would be like little like cartoon I girls. I remember. Oh, wait, like you mean like those little 25 cent machines? Yeah, yeah. yeah like yes. little angels and stuff. So I kind of started art with those stickers. So every time we would go to the grocery store, I would ask my mom for a quarter or 50 cent or whatever it was to get those stickers. She'd give it to me. I'd go get as many as I could with however much change she gave me. And then I would go home and I had a notebook where I used to just draw all the girls. Yes. Like I would and I would try to draw it again on the page. And then it came to a point where I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then like in school, my teachers, like, you know, they were like noticing like, no, you were like really talented. And of course, you know, any kid, like when you hear that you're good at something, it's like, oh, I want to keep doing <laughs> yeah. it. Like, so it kind of just took off from there. And luckily, I have very supportive parents because a lot of people can't say that. You know, sometimes you tell your parents you want to do art or whatever. They're like, yeah. mm, how's that going <laughs> to? Yeah. You know, they never really like that. They're kind of just like, you know what? If it pays the bills and it makes you happy, then go for it. I kind of have the same background, like. I don't really know where my artistic ability came from because I like to paint as well. Um, you know, growing up in school, I took art major and I went to a very good school in South Jersey where we did have a great arts program. We did stuff like pottery and plaster. And I know a lot Me of people- Me too. Yo, yeah. ceramics was one of my favorite classes yes. in high school. <laughs> and a lot of people don't get those kind of opportunities. So I, I have always been in art as well and it just comes second nature to me. But my parents are not artistic at all. Like my mom can't draw a stick figure. So I don't know where <laughs> it came from. But I really do think that maybe it is just in our DNA and our ancestors were just have multi talents. And that kind yeah. of brings me to um, what you said about, you know, your parents, some people's parents might not support them. What do you think about like children today? They don't automatically think like, I want to be an artist. They think I want to be a rapper. I want to be a basketball player. Like, why don't you think kids have more a desire to be an artist? Or on top of that, it's well, it, it's an and question, I guess. And why don't you think the arts, specifically fine arts, are taking us seriously in the school system? Like, you know how the arts are losing their funding. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So I don't know if I agree with the statement that kids don't want to be artists. Just because I've come in contact with so many children and so many young individuals along my journey that, that are passionate about art and that do want to do art. But... I definitely will circle back to your point about like the school systems. Like I said, I think it's like nature versus nurture type of thing. Like you could grow up loving art, but if it's something that 
you're, you happen to be in a community where you don't have the resources or like you're in a school system where like they don't think the arts are as important, then, you know, you, you don't get to, to practice. You don't get to keep yeah. doing it. And then maybe at a certain point in time, you think you start to kind of believe what everybody else is telling you. Like, you know, if you, if you're, teachers or your school system or the people around you are not taking it seriously, then maybe it's something that you don't take seriously either. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of, you remember on ATL when uh, T.I.'s character wanted to do cartoons for the news? Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. Something like like that. His boys will probably clown him or they'll probably think, oh, you can't pay the bills with that. And it just makes me sad because we have so much talent. When I see Black artists on Instagram and stuff, I'm like, we're so damn talented. But I think that kids probably don't know the different avenues they can take with art. Some people just think like, like my, my dad was like, you gonna study graphic design? My dad was like, what's gonna do with graphic design? And I'm like, my mom was like, she could do anything she wants. You could be a court draw, you could draw in the courtroom, you could do eyewitness photographs, whatever, right? And so uh, since we both have a the design background, I wanted to ask you also like, there's these initiatives asking design firms and marketing firms, where are the black designers? Like we know we're here, but why don't you know we're here? Why aren't we being hired by Golan and all these other big advertising agencies? So can you elaborate on like why you think black designers are missing in action? You wanna know something funny? I actually did not even consider myself a a designer. (laughs) I thought you were a graphic designer. No. Well, I mean, I am now, but like, I really didn't consider myself a designer up until like maybe a couple months ago. Like, that's just something that I kind of picked up. Like, I've yeah. always been like a a physical medium type of girl. Like, all these paintings behind me, like, I did these. Where are the Black designers? Oh, yeah. Why okay. aren't we getting these jobs at McCann and Golan and all these ad agencies? Yeah. So I, um, like I said, I recently started doing graphic design. Like this is something new for me because I've always been like a painter, drawer, sculptor. Like I've always done physical stuff. But I realized like, you know, digital design was another avenue for me to make money. And it's been very lucrative so far. And I'm actually really enjoying it. But as far as like, where's the black designers go? I feel like we here, girl. We are here. And I think it's, it's kind of like that age old tale. Oh, it's just not enough applicants in the pool. That's yeah, their mentality versus problem. no, who are you looking at? Who are you looking for? Who are you taking your recommendations from? Are you actively going out and recruiting a diverse uh, pool of talent? Or are you just taking your nephew's cousin, Sally's yeah. home girl that she recommended to you? Like, are you taking the first couple people that come through because uh, you like, the school or you like the recommendation that they had. Like, I think it's kind of just like these companies need to rewire their brain to number one, uh, let go of these unconscious biases that they have. Cause even, um, you know, something as little as them skimming through a pile of resumes and maybe a name that they can't pronounce, they'll just overlook that resume altogether versus like, no, if you see that this person has a difficult name to pronounce, don't overlook all the accolades, don't overlook that stacked resume just because you might be, you know, intimidated or because it's unfamiliar to you. So we're here. I just think that, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the way of unconscious biases and people stepping out of that familiar territory and actively recruiting a 
you know, a diverse pool of talent because yeah. there's plenty, there's plenty, but people are lazy. These companies I, are lazy. I totally agree. Like, it's not a, a matter of like, where are the black artists? Because as you said, we are here. There's plenty of us. I see us on social media every day. We just don't get those opportunities, especially because art, I feel like anybody could be an artist. Like we all have some type of artistry to us, but certain people want to see you have a graphic design degree or you know how to use Adobe yeah. Photoshop. Like you could just teach yourself Photoshop these days. I don't know why I got a degree in it. I'm sorry. No, I, did. <laughs> I did. I taught my, I am a hundred percent self-taught when it comes to like painting. I never, like my degree is in uh, radio and television production. Like yeah. all this fine art stuff that I do, YouTube University girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually brings me to another question, uh, a little bit about like your media background. We could talk about representation as media as well, because I am basically trying to transition from a social media producer to an on-screen host. And I know you've done some stuff like that. And can you just talk a little bit about in that field, do you think that there are enough black women on TV? Do you see enough black news anchors every day or could we diversify that area as well because i feel like they love using our face on everything but behind the scenes like you said the hiring's not there so what does the yeah. media landscape look like to you so my uh media experience well actually it's, it's pretty diverse because i worked so i started out um i've interned i interned at mtv i interned at um at like uh, this production company that used to do Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. But when I first got like, I, when I first got in the industry, I was in sports. I worked at NFL Films and then I went to ESPN. And uh, there was surprisingly like uh, more diversity there than I thought, but there could have definitely been more. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, which was very early on in my career, I was at BT for like six years. So my idea of the landscape of media is a kind little skewed because I worked at a black entertainment company for six years. Yeah. So it's a little different. However, I will say this, there have been a lot of cases where the black, like you said, the black talent is on camera and you walk in the room and there's not a black gaffer not a black lighter not a black director not a black producer not a black pa intern nobody is black except for the face behind the camera and sometimes these companies believe like oh yeah like hello the host of this show is black we're so diverse like yeah. no we need black people at every level we need black people from the interns to the the executives like you yeah. know we need voices represented across the spectrum and that's what I, I love that. about, you know, growing up in this time right now in my 20s. I get to see Lena doing her thing, Ava. Love it. Um, I love to see it. Yeah. Love to see it. Because growing up, really, I was going to ask you, like, who were your inspirations? Because for, for me, it was like Oprah. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be Oprah one day. And now little girls can see Issa Rae started out on YouTube. And now she has a freaking production company and movies. And how do you feel about that type of representation? Um, I will say this. And, and I, I was thinking about that earlier. I'm like, who were my uh, inspirations growing up? As far as like representation goes, I don't know if I have have that, not, 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 not that they weren't there, but I don't know if there's anything that 
is stuck in my mind that I can be like, oh yeah, her growing up. Because for me, the people that I started to really identify with and started to really be inspired by didn't come until later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only because it was when I finally found my footing in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, but also like, that's when I started to see those faces on TV. For example, Issa Rae, I love what she's doing. I follow her. I follow everything she does. She's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, and I feel like now that we're starting to scratch the surface, because I'm not even going to say that we we're where we need to be because we're light years away. But now that we're starting to scratch the surface of like, you know, giving, you know, black women their flowers and allowing them to, you know, step into these spaces that we historically did not have access to. It's it's a different ballgame. And I, I hope and pray that we keep going above and beyond and, you know, do more than what we've done. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you and your dog. The, the podcast hey, can't see the dog, but he is so cute. What's his name? Her? Her name is Juju. So cute. But yeah, yeah like, I would agree. Like my ankles this whole time. As you said, like basically like the 2000s to like 2010s, we didn't really have anybody like that. I mean... I could say Kiki Palmer because, like, she had. Oh, I love Kiki growing up. I love Kiki Kiki Palmer. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I feel like the '90s was really like our time to shine. Like, I recently watched the uh, Wendy Williams biopic on uh, Lifetime, Mm -hmm. and so she talked about like how she was coming up and just really getting it out the mud. Like, remember we had to send your tapes to people to get on the radio. Yes, girl. Yes. So even though like some of these people have all their drama, I am just grateful that they paved the way for us because for sure arts, everything, our, our voices, our art, our paintings are everything. And I was looking at like the black, black art history for a second, trying to like brush up. And I was reading about, um, Jean-Michael Basquiat, Basquiat, Basquiat. Basquiat, great artist. And he really like defined a whole decade in black art and art period really. But maybe a lot of people don't know about him. Like we kind of just go under the radar. So I really yeah, I love Basquiat. Basquiat yeah. is, you know what, like one thing that I, I noticed and that it bothers me, at least in the art world. And I think this is true really across the board, except for like, you know, the chosen few. Um, a lot of artists don't get their flowers until they can't smell them anymore like for example Basquiat like his work like the resale value is astronomical compared to um, the amount of money I'm sure he saw in his lifetime like and that's true for a lot of artists like they don't get the recognition or like the money until after they're gone and then even even the ones that are alive it's it bothers me that there's no system in place because for me visual art as far as i know maybe there's something i might be missing but visual art is kind of like the only medium and maybe fine art specifically where the person whose intellectual property it is stands to lose the most when that art blows up yeah let's talk about this painting behind me i sell it for ten thousand bucks and then 20 years from now it's worth a million. I 
don't see a dime of that. Yeah. The person who's collecting this can resell it and resell it and go to the auction houses and all this. But the person who created, whose mind it came from, we have no claim over it once it's gone. And I think that's yeah. insane because you don't see that with other stuff like photography and movies. And when that movie is done and that artist stamp is on it, the artist is getting paid for the rest of their life. And then their family's getting paid and then so on and so forth. But I think it's insane. Yeah, I was just gonna say we could talk about intellectual property because I've literally like posted a watercolor painting and a woman like reposted it, didn't tag me, nothing. And it drives me crazy because it's like, this is literally my work. Like you can't just steal people's work. And I yeah. saw something on Twitter where this woman like sells her art on mugs and such on Etsy. And you know, Etsy has become really popular for a lot of people. And somebody DM'd her and said like, my friend knows that I love your artwork so much that they took your artwork and made me this mug. And she's like, that's great, but why didn't you just buy it for me? I'm not getting paid. Yeah. For and they're like, well, you should just be grateful that like- Be grateful for what? That you take your food out of my mouth? Take right, your money out of exactly. my mouth? And I just don't, I, I wonder if people still value art. Like, do people, do you think that people value our paintings and stuff? Like, have you, I'm sure as a freelance artist, you've had to deal with people like, oh, you charging a hundred dollars for this print? Foolishness, like, girl, the foolishness. I just can't like, and I, I, I will say this and I will scream it from the rooftops. I wish that people would stop asking artists why we charge so much because if they for a moment could just take a stroll through Blick or any Go of these Michaels. and just see how much a bottle of paint, a quality bottle of paint, this big cost, they would not be asking those questions anymore. Like it's exactly. insane. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do people come to your desk at your job and ask you why you're getting paid so much when you only have to do X, Y, Z? No. Like, exactly. I think people now. really just think it's even. So I've been doing this style now where it's like a paint pour style. People on Instagram probably think I just throw paint on a canvas. And that's really not the case. There's a science to mixing the paint with the medium. There's a science yeah. to how I pour it, how I tilt the canvas just so. And I just feel like, um, those aren't my, that's not my market. And I have to realize that that's not my demographic. Yes. People who enjoy art and people who understand art, they're going to like this. The rest of you asking for free stuff, it's a no for me. Yeah, or logos, like, oh my God, I can't do another logo project. I can't. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and I've, I've had to, I had to teach myself that over the years as well. Like not everybody is your target audience. And the sooner you can identify your target audience and nurture that crowd, the sooner you'll be successful. Because when you cast a wide net, it's like your limit, You and, and it sounds counterproductive or like, it sounds like it doesn't make sense. But when you cast a wide net in the art world, you're limiting yourself because yeah. it's like, not everybody is gonna want your art. Like not everybody's gonna think that your art is art. It's so subjective that you have to find your audience. You have to yeah. find your niche and you have to go with it because until you do that, you can't solidify who you are as an artist. You can't solidify a brand identity and you can't bring on a loyal base that's going to support you. Yeah. And I'm sure when our ancestors were making art, they didn't have to worry about all this stuff, but well, this stuff probably was stolen back in the day. Oh and, girl. What? Yeah. what? Yeah. First of all, there's so many, I'm, I'm, positive that there are so many inventions and intellectual properties and copyrights floating around out there with some 
person's name on it that is not black that stole it from some slave that was working for them and slapped their name on it because they felt like they had ownership to it because they owned the slave girl yeah. i don't even want to think about how many things we use today that was really invented by a black person that some other person took credit for i don't even want to exactly. think about it. and actually recently i read an article about how the branding for elizabeth warren's political presidential campaign was so like new and exciting because she used the color green or whatever. And they said that she, they underlined her name in the logo to make it stand out. And they actually took this idea from the I am a man signs from like the uh, civil rights era. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that. So I didn't even, realize that even just that little underlining effect on a logo was taken from a protest sign. And that just made me realize the huge impact that black people have on the design world. Like we know what looks good. <laughs> Not just the design world, the world. Yeah, like, the world. <laughs> like we are the culture, we move the culture. It's not hot till we say it's hot. Yeah. And, you know, and then of course, when we say it's hot, oh, that's so ghetto, that's so ratchet. But then when they do it and they, oh my God, it's so creative, so unique. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, even now we have, you know, art and protest signs and everything like that. So how do you feel about the way we're getting the message out with Black Lives Matter? I feel like they have some pretty good branding. I feel like the the message has been uniform and clear i mean obviously you see like knockoff t-shirts and stuff but i mm -hmm. think that the branding and the the messaging has been good for that for sure for sure i completely agree i think that it we're to a point where um the brand is identifiable like you see something and you know exactly what it is those and, um like yellow murals on the street black lives yeah, matter yeah like it you see how angry people were that we painted on the street they were just angry that we painted black lives matter on the street and it's i'm not gonna say it baffles me because it doesn't i know the reason why people do and say the things that they do i know the reason why people are intimidated by movements like black lives matter uh and it's just pure hatred just pure racism because there's no other way to define you be being intimidated by someone saying that their life matters yeah. outside of the fact that you think it doesn't yeah there's no reason for you to not like that unless you're racist or exactly. hateful. like there's no reason because exactly. it's not like people are out on the streets marching and saying nobody else's life matter but black people all we're simply saying is stop killing us yeah we want to be considered equal we want to be able to make mistakes and walk away with our lives just like everybody else but i'm not going to say for some reason because i know exactly what the reason is it's it's not computing yeah they don't want it to compute and that's the thing like they love our art they love our designs but they don't love us you know it makes they me they think love everything about blackness but being black yeah recently did you see that louis vuitton tried to make a jamaican pullover fleece sweater with the Jamaican colors, but they didn't use the Jamaican flag colors. They just used what they thought was Rastafarian. And that's, the thing. that's why we need black people at these tables to say, to say, this is not, this is not yeah. Jamaican culture. Yeah, they tried it. And you know, it, it really bugs me because it's like, you guys want to connect with, with diverse audiences so bad. You want to send out a message to certain audiences why not hire people with those voices to tell those stories to paint those narratives to make those marketing initiatives pop like stop trying 
to be the person to take credit for stuff because nine times out of 10, you don't get it. Yeah. You never walked in that shoes in, in, in our shoes. You don't know what it feels like to be black. So stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. They want to be the like, gatekeepers for everything. I'm trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. Well, I've been asking this question a lot on these Black History Month episodes. So I'll ask you at this point, do you want to sit at the table or do you want to build your own table? Um, I think we just start our own TV network and forget about all the others. Should I stop my dream of trying to get on NBC and just make my own? I think it's important that that we do both. Um, and I say this because number one, I think it's always important to build your own because you won't ever um, reap the benefits of ownership and longevity without having something of your own. Yeah. Because until you have something of your own, all you're doing is fattening someone else's pocket and leaving the door open for somebody else to tell the stories that you can tell yourself. But I also think it's important that we do have seats at these tables because until we do, the narrative around who and what we are as a people is never going to change because... I mean, while it would serve us to go out and have our own and while we should still do that, we should also still be in those spaces because it's like, without us being there, it leaves too much wiggle room for them to try to paint the narratives of black people without black people being in the room and having a say in what those narratives are. And then that's how you end up with the people who are constantly stereotyped and yeah. typecasted and you know there's this one square box that they try to put us all into because they haven't educated themselves enough to to understand like yeah, you know how to definitely. how to tell those stories or definitely. how to get out of the way and let somebody else tell the stories even little things like you know working in marketing when they'll be like let's lose it let's use a graffiti font to reach an urban crowd and it's like like come on dog like <laughs> that, that's the type of stuff and that's why it's important that we have seats at these tables because a lot of times they just don't understand yeah and by no means am i saying that it's our responsibility to educate those on why we should be treated equally and why we should have seats at these tables but because, you know, obviously, like, it, it is on the onus of the person who has been doing the oppression for so long to go out there and reverse the damage they've done. But yes, I'm tired of carrying the burden. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not our burden to carry. But I do think that it is important that when those opportunities are presented, we're there to tell our stories, because, like I said, either we tell it or somebody else is going to. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they ain't going to get it right. Right. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Young Black and Opinionated. Remember to subscribe wherever you are listening, rate and review. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Miss Chris D, and follow my guest Tiffany Nicole on Instagram. Her Instagram is Tiffy Crazy Cool, T I F F Y crazy cool you can see all her artwork and some brand partnerships that she's been working on recently and of course make sure you follow the ybo podcast on instagram facebook and youtube this recording will have a little video on youtube so go check it out so you can see me and tiffany bye